Thank you very much, orchestra. I sure love hearing our orchestra. The kids can go to junior church now with their teacher. One by one, we're getting back to normal, even if a few of us still have a mask on. We have a couple of visitors with us today, and we'd sure like to get to meet them. Uh, Eric Hollis. Who is Eric? Good to see you, Eric, and Sophia Hong. We're glad to have both of you here with us today, and we sincerely hope that it's the first of many, many times that you're back to visit us here at Bible Baptist Church. Thank you so much for coming today. What is hell? You know, hell has been the subject of many books written over the last several millennia, such as uh, Dante's Inferno. Uh, it has been a popular movie theme in several movies. Unfortunately, Greek mythology has affected the understanding of hell more than the Bible. Uh, the concept that is given through Greek mythology paints the devil as the ruler of hell. Nothing could be further from the truth. And yet the many jokes that are told about hell are based in mythology. Hell, however, is no laughing matter. Let's pray. Father, I pray now that you would guide us and direct us throughout this study of your word. Help us to understand what you're talking about in the Bible when you talk about hell. Help us to cleave to your word, to understand it, and to follow its teaching. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What are the descriptions of hell? In the Old Testament, it was the translation of the word Sheol, uh, the Hebrew word. We find that in Deuteronomy chapter 32 amongst a multitude of places. But uh, right away, we can say that Moses talked about this as well. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, I'll begin at verse 8. It says, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an, ap as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep, uh, with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats, and the fat of kidneys of wheat, and thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jesudun, and that's another name which God calls Israel at times, a waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations provoked, he, provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. 
to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came by newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are very froward a generation, children in whom is no faith. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation, for a fire is kindled in mine anger. And it's interesting, we're going to see how that word fire recurs several times, especially in the Old Testament, when describing hell. And shall burn unto the lowest hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend mine arrows upon them. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword without and terror within I shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. I said I would scatter them to, into the corners. Uh, I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. Were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should uh, behave themselves strangely, and lest they should say, Our hand is high, and the Lord hath not done all this. For they are a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider uh, their latter end. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up for their rock is not as our rock even our enemies themselves being judges Sheol Moses began by describing this as a place for those that were faithless that did not believe him he went on to describe it as a place uh, that was for lost people people that uh, did not believe in the God of the Bible in Psalm 9, he again describes it in verses 15 to 20. He says, the heathen are sunk down into the pit that they made in their net, which they hid, is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Higeion um, Selah. Higeion means, it's a musical notation, by the way. For those of you that read it and say, I wonder what Higeion and Selah means. Uh, these were musical notations. The one meant the instruments quit playing. 
and the other meant pause. Um, so they were to pause there and consider for a moment, no music, and then they were to continue. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. Yes, hell. Sheol is mentioned in the Old Testament. It is mentioned as a terrible place, a place for nations that forget God. And folks, this is one of my biggest concerns. When our nation begins to turn its back on God, that we already know what kind of punishment God has set for this nation. In the New Testament, there are two different words that were used to describe hell. One of those was Hades, uh, the Greek underworld, uh, Hades. In Matthew chapter 11, um, the Lord Jesus uses the word Hades. Matthew 11, verses 21 to 24. Matthew 11, 21. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable. I always ponder that. More tolerable. In, for Tyre and Sidon at that day of judgment than for you. Doesn't say that Tyre and Sidon are going to be released from hell. It says it will be more tolerable. That means there are degrees of hell. And the degree to which um, Bethsaida and Chorazin were going to suffer was going to be greater than that of Tyre and Sidon. And verse 23, And thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to Hades, hell. For if the mighty works which were done in thee had been done in Sodom, they would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Wow. A lost person today, I have heard so many jokes by lost people. Years and years ago, I used to laugh at their jokes. I don't laugh anymore. Because their jokes are absolutely meaningless. Oh, if I'm in hell, all my friends and relatives will be there too. We'll just have a big party. Yeah, right. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. 
than for you. There are no parties in hell. The word Hades was used over and over again in our New Testament. If you're writing down notes, you could write down Matthew 16, 18, Luke 10, 15, Luke 16, 23, Acts 2, 27, Acts 2, 31, Revelation 1, 18, Revelation 6, 8, and of course, Revelation 20, the lake of fire, verses 13 and 14. But there's another word also used, and it's used more frequently in the New Testament to describe hell. It's the word Gehenna. Now, Gehenna was a contraction of the Hebrew words, the valley of the son of Hinnom. Okay. Um, this was found, for instance, in Matthew 5.22. Take a look at that one with me, Matthew 5.22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. That means the Sanhedrin. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of Gehenna of fire, hellfire. Now, it's interesting to me that the word Gehenna was used here, but it was used in conjunction with the word fire. Um, of fire is also found in the Greek. It is not just an English translation of Gehenna. It says Gehenna of fire. Um, and Jesus used the word Gehenna, as well as other writers uh, like Peter. Uh, he found this word is found in Matthew 5, 29 to 30, Matthew 10, 28, Matthew 18, 9, Matthew 23, verses 15 and 33. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 43, 45, and 47, it is found in Luke chapter 12, verse 5, and 2 Peter 2, 4. Now, I'm going to return to talking about the valley of the son of Hinnom. It was so named already back well before uh, Israel inhabited the land of Israel. Uh, this was the name that was given to a particular place on the south side of Jerusalem where you went out the Dung Gate. Now the place was originally for religious worship, but not of God, of idols. And men took their sons, their young children, and they threw them onto an altar that had fire inside and burned them alive. 
in sacrifice to Moloch and to Baal. An awful place. Personally, I don't think it was any more awful than abortion, where we sacrifice children whose screams cannot even be heard yet to a new sofa, a car, a house, or to the God of shame of having a child out of wedlock. A terrible sacrifice to the devil that could never be overestimated. The Valley of the Son of Hinnom. We're going to read how it was turned into a cemetery at the time of Jeremiah so that it was desecrated and could never be used again as a place to sacrifice children. And then it was turned in to the place where rubbish and dung and every other kind of refuse was tossed. And that's why it's listed as being outside the dung gate. What is it like to be in hell? Bible gives us an illustration of it in Luke chapter 16. A true story that was told about two men, one of which went to hell. Luke 16, verses 20 to 31. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at the gate full of, at, at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. I said to Elaine the other day, I'm so glad that God is merciful. For the sake of this rich man, he didn't even tell us his name. But God says he forgets the lost. He remembers the name of Lazarus, the believer. And it came to pass, verse 22 says, that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died. There were no angels. There weren't even demons to carry him to hell. It just says, and was buried. The indication is Lazarus probably didn't have a nice burial, but the rich man did. Lazarus, though, had a tremendous escort right into Abraham's bosom to paradise. And in verse 23, it says, and in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments 
and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Now I find out several things about hell right away. First of all, it's a place of torment. Secondly, it's a place of fire. And yes, I believe that it literally is a place of fire and torment for all eternity. I find out, I find out two more things about it later on. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. He had an opportunity to believe during his life, and he rejected it. He did not believe the gospel message. And likewise, Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, now there are two things that he says here. Two things about hell. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Two things. First of all. Lazarus can't go down there to comfort you. And secondly, you can't come up here. There's a great gulf. Do you know who spanned that gulf? That was my Savior. He made it possible for each and every one of us before it's eternally too late to be saved. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. That's the next thing that I find out about hell. If you have relatives or friends that are in hell today, they would do anything they could to keep you from going there. They would be begging you to listen to the message today and to get saved. They don't want you in hell. There is no joy there. There is no party there, no fiesta. This is an awful place of torment for all eternity for those who have not believed. Do not listen to the jokes that the devil sends around where he's the king of hell and he will make you have to have a party for all eternity. No, he will not. He is a sufferer in hell, the same as all the other lost people. 
Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. Can I tell you, Lazarus rose from the dead, and these very men that Jesus warned about this, the five brothers of that man in hell, were there before him, and the Bible tells us they tried to kill Lazarus. Because of Lazarus being resurrected, many people believed in Jesus also. Ah, no. Miracles don't produce faith. They only made people harder. What produces faith is the hearing of the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus tells us what it would be like. In Matthew 22, Matthew 22, verses 2 to 14, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden in, uh, to the wedding, that they would not come, but they and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. He's done everything for you. Do you realize that? God has provided everything for you to be at the marriage feast of his son in heaven. He's provided everything that you need. Everything. But they wouldn't come. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. And when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together uh, all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Folks, aren't you glad that God found even those of us that were bad? If he hadn't accepted into his family those of us that were bad, who would be saved? Nobody. God saved us all. He even went to the highways and byways of Los Angeles, California, where he reached down in his mercy and saved our souls. 
And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a, a wedding garment. Now, the first time I read this, I thought, well, of course. The guy was grabbed off the highway. How could he have a wedding garment on? Uh, the king said he provided everything. It even included the wedding garments. You see, we're going to be clothed with that white gown that Jesus Christ provided us through the blood that he shed on Calvary. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He had no answer for that. Because he was offered the wedding gown. And he turned it down. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. The image there, again, is of the valley of the son of Hinnom. where these people sacrifice their babies, their children, on altars to Baal and to Moloch. Jeremiah tells us about this place in Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 30 to 34. Jeremiah 7, 30 to 34. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to pollute it. And they have built the high places of Tophet, Tophet in Hebrew, sometimes spelled Tophet. Um, the word Tophet in Hebrew means fire. They have built their high places of fire which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be called Tophet, fire, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, for they shall bury in Tophet till there be no place. And the carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth, and none shall fray them away. Then will I cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate. This place was taken as of Jeremiah to be a place no longer of the high places of sacrifice. It was to be a place that represented hell, where the fire never went out where the screams that 
formerly were heard from the children and the gnashing of teeth as they were being burned alive on the altars there were to be replaced with the screams and the gnashing of teeth, the outer darkness of hell forever and ever. In that respect, when Jesus took this place as an illustration of hell, he did so knowing very well that already the Jewish people considered this symbolic of hell. And Peter tells us that that hell is final. There is no chance to be saved once you arrive there. In 2 Peter 2, it says in verse 1, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Boy, if there was ever a day that this is all true, it's today. There are more people today that have completely godless viewpoints of hell and also biblical worldviews they haven't got at all than ever before in the history of the United States. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, notice that, he didn't spare the devil and the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. That means he was the eighth of eight people. Um, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should live ungodly, that should after live ungodly, and deliver just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, uh, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. 
But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things which they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that counted pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves in their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. An heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, uh, who love the wages of unrighteousness. Yeah, we could go on all the way to verse 22, where it says, but it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned again to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Do you know why the dog returns to his own vomit? Because he's a dog. You see, you can, I flew into uh, Waterloo, Iowa on their pig day. And I know they called it something different. But they, they find a pig that they say is representative of Iowa pigs. And they dress it all up and they put a blue ribbon on it and they march it down the street and the whole town turns out in Waterloo, Iowa. And they all clap for this pig. And I say, it's still a pig. You know, nothing ever changed that. Do you realize that? I, I can remember when I was a kid. And my mother would get disgusted with me. I'd grab our dog and kiss it. And she said, you don't kiss a dog. You know, go wash your mouth before you cry kissing me. Um, well, you know, today, at 75 years of age, I don't think I'd care to kiss a dog anymore. Um, what a disgusting thing. But, uh, hey. You could kiss that dog. You could shave it. You could put a tie on it. But it was still a dog. Because nothing ever changed what was inside. And once you're in hell, it doesn't matter what you do. Nothing is ever going to change it. Peter says... The angels are an example of it. They're chained in absolute darkness. They cannot escape. So let me ask you, what can you do today while you're still alive to escape from hell? Today, before it's too late. There's only one way to heaven. 
Proverbs chapter 15, verse 24 says, The way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. There is a way, and it's only found in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, present tense. Before he ever went to Calvary, he said, There are many mansions. If it were not so, contrary to fact, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven. There are many ways to get to hell. You can pick your own way. You can create your own religion. You can make your own God. But there's only one way to heaven. And Jesus is that way. Christ took our death and our hell upon himself. The apostle Paul wrote, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Do you know what it means to believe in vain? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he actually states what it means to believe in vain. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also vain. Yes, The thing that is meant by believing in him in vain means to believe in a Christ who died and was buried but did not rise from the dead. To not believe in the promise of the resurrection of our own bodies. That's believing in vain. For I delivered unto you, verse 3 says, first of all, how that Christ died for our sin, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. There's only one way, and Jesus is the way. He's the one that paid for your sins. He offers you today the resurrection life. And if you'll believe him today, he will give it to you. He's promised it to you. Believing his promise is what saves you. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you today for your goodness and grace for this time that we've had in your word. And Lord, I pray that you would strike it deeply within our hearts. Help us, Lord, to understand it and to believe it, to trust you for the salvation that you've promised us. In Jesus' name, amen.